what's happening, guys. Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I got another great show planned for today because I'll talk about one of your favorite fighters, Hazmet Chemayev. Plus, I'll give my official prediction for Misha Tate and Caitlin Vieira. But before I get to all that, I want to begin in the same place we started on Wednesday's show. Alright guys, I gotta talk to you about Connor. Now, if you've been following the program, I'm in a little bit of a back and forth with Connor, maybe. I don't know. I fair and square gave Connor my terms, which is just back out the door now. Do not, do not bring this up again. Let the whole thing go. That's still what I said. Now, whether I said that as my high-handed approach, it doesn't matter why I said it. I said it. That's what I put out there, and Connor has laid out. So I have to honor it for my side. And I'm only disclosing this to you because I do like to talk about Connor. But when I talk about Connor right now, for example, it is not tying into a potential beef that I have with Notorious. I just happen to be talking about Connor in the midst of all this. And I say it only because. Let me ask you a question. Okay? It's very tough. So I had to give that disclaimer because here's my question. You're going to think this is, this is a shot. It's not. It's a conversation and here's what it is. Has Poirier showed us all how goddamn good he is by destroying Conor McGregor twice? Has he? Or did Poirier beat up a broken down old fighter with a coke habit? And that's not for us to know right now. I'm looking into the future. We believe the fellow fighters in the industry believe. Justin Gaethje himself believes. Michael Chandler believes that Dustin Poirier is going to capture the world championship in a couple of weeks. They believe he's going to beat Oliver. But let's say he doesn't. Let's say the champ remains the champ and Oliver shows us all he is the, period, the best in the world. Period. Right now he's the best in the world, but to put a period, right, to defend the belt, to, to go through Dustin Poirier... Very different conversation. You're going to view Charles Oliveira very differently. But let's say Oliveira does. All of a sudden, we are instantly going to question what it is that Poirier did against Connor. And it's not going to look bad for Poirier. It's going to look bad for Connor. If Oliveira goes through Poirier, we are then going to look that Poirier went through. Right? We're going to do MMA math. A equals B, B equals C, A must equal C. We do it all the time, but we're going to do it in this case, and it's going to reflect. The reflection is going to be different. I'm just proposing for you, what would it be? And I've seen this in the sport. There was no way around this. It's wildly unfair. Well, so what? I mean, lots of things are unfair. That's, that's sport, right? That's life. It's wildly unfair, and I've seen the story goes both ways, right? I mean, you talk about people that want to have their cake and eat it too. Floyd Medweather fought Canelo Alvarez. Floyd Mayweather was old. Floyd Mayweather was 36 years old. I'm making this up, but I'm close. He was 35 years old. He was by no historical means within the prime of his career. He would have been on the back end. Canelo was 21. Canelo is Oscar De La Hoya's chosen boy at the time. Canelo is going to beat Floyd Mayweather. Not only did Canelo not beat him, Canelo got his ass kicked. It was not a competitive match. Now, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I believe it was 10 rounds to two. Please don't go look that up and then correct me, because if this fight was in Nevada, by example, it doesn't matter what those scorecards said. I'm telling you, Floyd won 10 rounds and Canelo won two. It was dominant. 
But the story the next day did not continue with the narrative that led into that fight, which is Floyd is older and this is the new guy. The story the very next day took away from Floyd and said Canelo was just too young. The lights were just too bright. He just didn't have enough experience. Now, nobody in the history of fighting has ever taken away from the older athlete. Never. Until this happened to Floyd. You had so many Floyd haters that wanted to come out and say, well, Canelo was just too young. That is the way the story is told to this day. If you try to talk about a prime Floyd and a prime Canelo, which would be a right now Canelo, people will tell you the story that this Canelo beats that Floyd, even though when they fought, it was 10 to 2. Canelo looked slow. He looked like molasses moving uphill. That's how much Floyd took him apart. And speed really does matter. It's one of the, it's one of the things that you lose first. One day you will wake up. You're just not as fast. You're just not. Floyd made Canelo look slow. It was very uncompetitive. It was very hard to make. And there's two different Canelos, right? Canelo at 21 hadn't got on the juice yet. The enhanced Canelo. Now, I, I get it. I see those things. But Floyd has taken plenty of juiced out guys. And Floyd has been in the crosshairs of the commissions himself. People love to rewrite that part of the story. But Nevada and Osada went head to head over the violations of Floyd. Floyd came out clean. I know how the story went. But he was in the crosshairs. My point being, things will always be rewritten when history goes on. And I've seen this happen to really great fighters. I have seen absolutely great fighters have championships and lose them. And all of a sudden, people start to call into question everything that they did. This happened to the great Rich Franklin when he lost to Anderson Silva. When Anderson Silva lost the belt, Anderson's career then got called into well, Did he take on the right guys? What were the record of these guys? It starts to get weird. And I'm only suggesting for you that I still know, not I believe, not I submit for you, I know, I can tell you for sure, the biggest draw in this sport is Conor McGregor. Whatever happens between Poirier and Oliveira, the biggest star in the sport is going to be Conor McGregor. But anything that goes up can only come down. Conor's career also will come down. And one day he'll wake up and he'll be the third biggest draw in the sport. And then he'll be the fourth, and then he'll be out of the sport. It's just the life. It's the life that he has in front of him. It's the life that every fighter will have. It's the fight that every basketball player and every all of you have. We have our better days, and then we go out. And if we would have known that ahead of time, we would have stopped doing it before. But we're the last ones to know. It's going to happen to Connor, and I'm only submitting for you. How bad is it going to look if Poirier loses to Oliver, particularly if Poirier gets his ass kicked? This is an if. This is an if. I'm not making a prediction for you now. That will come. Poirier gets ran over, defeated, ran over, two different things, by Oliveira. It is quickly, quickly in your minds going to change when you know the beating that Poirier, not once but twice, put on Connor. What does that do to Connor's return? What's it do? He will still be the biggest star. When I tell you that Connor's only going to go down, you can come down when you're that damn high. Connor can come down a lot and still be the best, but we do see this happen. Look, it's happening with John Jones right now. And all I'm arguing for you with the Connor, all I'm suggesting for you, is it's just a cycle, it's just a perception with the fans. Connor is no better or no worse. A reflection of a contest between Poirier and Oliver has nothing to do with Connor. But the psychology of the fan and of the pundit will change. So I want you to be aware of that. Conor McGregor came out talking about Dustin Poirier. 
And I have to take a fighter at his word. Even if I got a pretty good idea, he's working, he's hustling, he's marketing, I still have to take him at his word. I got to take what he said, what my interpretation of what it meant, and bring it to you guys, right? Okay. Connor very clearly wants Dustin Poirier. And that tells you a couple of things, right? Because Max Holloway just looked like a fool as recently as a week ago thinking he's getting the Connor sweepstakes because he was the one that fought most recently and Connor said his name on social media. And the week before that, it was somebody else. And next week and this week, and so Connor will keep on doing that. But it does appear that Connor wants nobody but Poirier. Does it have to be that way? One, can it be that way? If Poria becomes the champion of the world, there isn't really a scenario where any of us could believe that Connor gets to fight for a world championship. Do you throw that out? Do you say, to hell with it, this is the fight? Oh, and by the way, it's the one the champ wants. Because that is a real thing that Dana does have to consider. When you're talking about the politics and the integrity of the sport and the rankings, those things matter, but to punish a champion because of his success is wrong. And this has been tested. This will not be tested between Connor and Poirier. This was tested between Izzy Adesanya versus Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero was not the number one contender. He was not the one number one ranked guy, and he had lost his last fight. And Izzy told Dana, I don't want punished. I don't want to not be able to beat up guys that I want to beat up when I'm in the beating up people business because I have a level of success. That's the guy. You decide if the belt's up. I don't give a damn. That's the guy. Dana goes, I got to listen to that. That's a very fair point by Adesanya. So I bring that to you because we can't just automatically say Connor can't fight Poirier if Poirier becomes champion. It's going to take some work. There's going to have to be a story. But if it's anything in line with the one I just laid out, which is Dustin Poirier saying, hey, boss, don't punish me. I went over this guy to get to this point. I'll come back to this son of a bitch. Bring him in here. If he wants to do that, I think Dana's going to have to listen. But let's say he doesn't. Let's say Dana just doesn't agree. There's plenty of other great things out there for Conor McGregor. And fighting Dustin Poirier again, it, man, that's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. You want to bring the wife back into it. You want to bring the backstories. You want to bring the injury. You're going to move the needle for sure, but that's you're going to have to work. It's, it's a tough sell. Conor couldn't beat Dustin when Conor was training his ass off. Conor got re-motivated, reinvigorated, retrained, and couldn't beat Dustin. Now we're going to say... After being injured, like we don't know what Connor was doing for preparation, but we know he was doing it. Now we know he's not. Right? That's what an injury represents. He he can't do anything for a period of time. So for sure, just using logic, there is no opportunity that Connor got better. There is no opportunity to believe he's going to be sharper in this one than he was in the last one. Connor was doing rehab while Dustin Poirier was training for a world title fight. Like, I mean, just basic logic tells us Dustin is going to smoke him. Do we even need to see that? Does Connor need to put himself in that position? And if so, why? Why would he need to do that? Why can Connor not be reasonable? Why can Connor not say, this is all about Dustin Poirier? F you, Dustin Poirier. Nothing's been forgotten. He can do the whole Connor stick and say, I need one before you. I'm coming off an injury. I'm going to get my feet wet over here, and then I'm going to come see you next. Why couldn't he do that? That would make sense. That would be easy. Now, you don't need a spin job. Now, you don't need a sell machine. And now we would have something to look forward to. I mean, to use that same logic that I just did with Connor versus Poirier, should they go out there for a fourth time, I could still apply that same argument to Max. Now, Max is not going to get this shot, 
But nobody should be getting the shot at Connor, and Connor should not be taking a shot at anybody else because he's a star. He doesn't have to have the belt. Red Panty Night is a very real thing. It was funny the night Connor said it, but it was true the night Connor said it, and it's still true today. Whoever gets on the docket with McGregor is going to have a wonderful experience that they are going to remember forever. They're going to get recognized in media and opportunities and be doing interviews and see their picture out there more than they've ever done it before. There will be a lot on the line. There is nothing for anybody who's ever, and it's only a few people, but anyone that's ever got the jump on Conor McGregor, something wonderful happens to them. And Dustin Poirier got the jump on Conor McGregor. He can go fight for the world title in a match that DraftKings currently believes he's going to win. I mean, nothing bad comes from it. But why are these guys like Conor and Masvidal not finding each other? Connor and Nate Diaz is one of the great no-brainers in the sport, and we've all been confident that they were going to throw that card out there somewhere. Now time is ticking down. Why haven't they found each other? Connor and Nick Diaz is wildly interesting. These guys have got to be together. They've got to be able to see this. None of the names I just said are ever going to be champions. None of the names I just said would ever fight reasonably for a world championship. There could be a lot, you know, you, you, you could do a little twisted over here. You see what I'm saying? They're on a different path. They're not on a different path because they're not as good of fighters. They're on a different path because they're great fighters. Or they once were great fighters. They're in a very, very special area. But why does Connor need to fight Dustin? And why, when it's so obvious that Connor wants to fight Dustin, do all of these other fighters, including the great Max Holloway, fall for the trap because something was said on Twitter? Why? Why? It's interesting. It's a tough spot. Does Connor and Dustin need to happen? All the guys I talked about so far are huge UFC stars. And one guy that's on his way to that level, Hazmat Chemayev. I'll discuss him next, but first, a word about today's sponsor. Okay guys, some of you may or may not know, but one of my enjoyments is chewing tobacco. And I've been dipping for as long as I can remember and buying from the same company forever. But I was recently introduced to a tobacco-less alternative. Trust me, I was skeptical at first, but I gave it a try. Black Buffalo, to my surprise, gave me the same experience but without the tobacco leaf or stem. If you are 21 or older and you dip or chew tobacco, pouches or long cut, I highly recommend you try this tobacco alternative. Black Buffalo is everything you love about dipping, including pharmaceutical grade nicotine just without the actual tobacco leaf or stem. First impressions, where it tasted powerful and honestly had a supreme quality to it. The dip itself is made from edible green leaves and food grade ingredients with the same flavor, texture, aroma, moistness, and nicotine that traditional tobacco chew offers. Black Buffalo did not compromise. If you're into flavors, they produce a variety like wintergreen, mint, straight, peach, which is my favorite, and even blood orange. It's available in both long cut and pouches. I'm a pouches guy as well as nicotine-free versions called Zero. So if you just get comfort from the feeling of chewing, you can go with the Zero version. You guys know I'm into supporting US-based businesses. This company was born in the Midwest and raised in the South. Black Buffalo proudly manufactures all their products right here in the USA. 
I used to use traditional chewing tobacco until I found Black Buffalo. I'm glad there's finally a high quality, supreme tasting alternative to chewing tobacco. This product has changed my life. Try it. I did. It is my new brand. If you are one of the 10 million people who are 21 or older and dip tobacco, consider making the switch to Black Buffalo. It's everything you love about dipping, just without the actual tobacco leaf or stem. Head to blackbuffalo.com. Use the promo code CHAIL at checkout. That's going to get you 25% off your first order. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code CHAIL for 25% your first order. One last time, that's promo code CHAIL at blackbuffalo.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, guys, let's talk a little bit Chamayev, okay? 170 is red hot right now. I actually don't remember a time in the sport when 170 has been so hot. And in all fairness, it's very common when a big star goes away, that division doesn't recruit for a period of time. I'm talking George St. Pierre. The biggest draw, the greatest fighter ever, he leaves 170. What do you do? Well, years have gone by, but they've worked itself out because much like George St. Pierre was ranked number one pound for pound, now their current champion, Kamar Usman, is ranked number one. So 170 is just red hot right now. What do you do with Chimaev? How the hell good is Chimaev? How do you prove it? How do you sell it once you make your hypothesis? Right? We don't know. We don't know how good anybody is. We just have guesses, and then we throw the boys in there under the unified rules, let them figure it out. We get surprised all the time. So how good is he? How sure are you? Because you got a red hot hand. You got a big draw that's very compelling. Not to mention more compelling in different parts of the world than North America. And he's over in North America. North America, what you guys know, what you guys see, is the last country that Chemayev is a star in. That's how big he is. He's huge in Sweden. He's huge in Dagestan and in Chechnya. He's huge in all of the Eastern blocks. You have to take that into consideration. You have to take into consideration the, the politics behind the partners of Fight Island, where they love him. They were Nobody was more disappointed, in all fairness, except that part of the more than that part of the world, when Khabib left. And remember how disappointed you were? I'm sharing with you your emotions to be tied in to somebody from this region. When you're doing business with partners, in the, there's politics that are good for Chemai, but what do you do with them? Because if, if he's not as good as you think he is, you only get to get burned once. As a promoter, you never do a slow build with a guy because it never works. The slow build never works. Now, like everything in life, there's exceptions to rules. Never is a broad stroke. There are guys that the more times you can run them out there, the more box offices and gates that you can do, it just multiplies. Conor McGregor, when they brought him up slowly, Conor was ready for the belt long before he fought for it. But why? He's not going to be unready when that comes around, and I can get two and three more boxes out of him, right? There's some politics there that you have to consider. If you're wrong on Chemayev, and you burn him too, what do you do then? You throw him back into the spot he is now, which is a potential contender, except you don't have the same excitement and enthusiasm because you already put him in for the belt and he came in second. I mean, right, it's one of these things. you got to be careful how you play it. Most guys, you better take what you can get when you can get it. You try to play this build game, you're going to be broke and they're going to be released somewhere. It doesn't work. I see people make this mistake all the time. But Chemayev is one of those exceptions. So what do you do with him? What do you do having all these things in mind? If he's good enough to get the belt right now, 
How does it behoove you for him to have the belt? He's got plenty of needles to move on his way to the top, and the current guy at the top is number one pound for pound in the world. Why am I going to burn one of them? It's very relevant. This happened to me. I learned this from Dana White. I had agreed to fight Lyoto Machida in the UFC. I went to practice. That This is in 2013. I went to practice with Clayton Hires that night. And I remember Machida, that was like the last guy I wanted to fight. I had trained for Randy Couture, Dan Henderson. My teammates had fought this. They all said what a mess he was. But this was the match that I had. I went into practice. Boom, I got the call. I'm going to fight him. Joe Silva had called. This was done. Joe Silva calls back the next day and says, Lorenzo liked the fight. That's why I called you. Dana said, these are two title contenders. I'm not eliminating one of them. Call them back. The fight's off. But I learned something. Oh, oh, okay. Why would you put two top guys if they can both go in their own direction and build? Keep them apart. Bring them when you have to. Relevant to this story. Because if you look at Jemaya, Colby, unlikely. Colby is unlikely. Colby could have that fight today if he wanted it. Colby versus Shemaev, you could get Dana to sign off on that right now. It's the right ranking. It's the right speculation. If you remove Colby, you've already removed Colby. He sold out the garden. He had the biggest night of his career. It's going to go down a little bit. Shemaev won't hurt that. Everything works for the story. I got that as unlikely. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that Colby would love that idea of being the top guy, number one contender, into an unranked. I don't know that Chemayev, though he would pretend that he loves the idea, I don't know that he would love that. That's a hard night out for everybody. I got it as unlikely, but I'm telling you right now, if those two agreed, Dana will say yes. Neil Magny, I got a yes next to that. Neil Magny should get this fight. Neil Magny should get this fight for one reason, which is Neil wants it. Other guys have been clear to say they will take The other tough guys, the other brave guys, have been clear to say they'll take it. None of them has said they want it, and I do mean none. Neil Magny not only said he wanted it, Neil Magny laid out a case as to why he should get it. That's a very different call out. Oh, kick your ass. That's very di- good for you. You're a brave guy. You just challenged somebody. To, you're, oh. That's very different when you lay out an argument. And Neil Magny had a good one, which is, I already was offered Shemayev. I accepted That fight got scrapped, but I was the guy a year ago. I'm here right now. He says he wants a ranked guy. Put me in. It's very different. Neil should, in my opinion, get the fight. This is no. Gilbert Burns, no. Gilbert Burns and Shemayev. If you hear that anywhere, do not support it. Do not get behind that. Do not retweet it. Do not post it. Kill it. You owe that to Burns. Somebody has to jump on the grenade that is Shemayev. How good is he? How good is he not? What's real? What's not? Let him figure that out. But somebody's still jumping on a grenade of taking on a very good prospect. I think we can at least agree he's very good. The people want him to be the number one contender. The people know. You guys know what you're looking at. We just don't have the power. We don't have the power to make it happen. We know what we're seeing. We're seeing something special here. But with that specialness, there's not a ranking. He is not a top 10 guy. And don't forget, the top 10 is not the top 10. The top 10 is to somebody who doesn't understand how rankings work. You have a top 10 and then you have a top 5. They are not in the same category. Top 10, 6 through 10 will fight one another and maybe you'll sprinkle somebody in the top 15. Top 5 are only fighting top 5. The number 3 guy is not fighting the number 8 guy. It's very important that you understand how these rankings work. And people don't. 
Gilbert Burns has earned that spot. Somebody's going to have to jump on the grenade. Gilbert Burns has done enough favor. It should not, at this point, be Gilbert. If Chemayev is as good as the people think he is, and someone's going to have to be a stepping stone along the way, it should not be Gilbert. Not right now. Gilbert's done enough of that. Gilbert's phone has rang enough times to do a job that nobody else had the balls to do. Do not support that fight. Do not get behind that fight. Do not re-mention that fight. Not right now. Gilbert deserves to not be the guy that is a potential, right, stepping stone. Neil Magny should have the fight. Colby could have the fight. If you have other suggestions, I'm wide open. But please don't tell me Nick or Nate Diaz. Please don't. Because what you're really saying is you want to see Nick or Nate Diaz, and so do I. I want to see him really bet. But who they're against, rarely is this statement true, but it doesn't matter as much. We want to see Nick and Nate Diaz. It's not we want to see Nate against this or Nick against this guy. So let's start thinking a little bit more realistic. Let's start thinking within those rankings. Let's start understanding somebody's going to have to step forward. It has been Gilbert Burns four times that I could name off the top of my head. Don't call him right now. It's not right. Let's give Colby a minute, who just got his heart ripped out and was this close to being a world champion. Let's give him a minute. And above everything, why is everybody stopping Neil Magny? I can't remember the last time we as a community did anything for Neil Magny. can't remember the last time anybody supported one of his tweets or supported one of his ideas. He comes to you, the community, one time, and he's asking for a very difficult fight that will have huge reward. There's a big upside. Neil Magny has the skills and the courage to take the risk. What is there to discuss? Give Neil the fight. close out today's show, I want to look ahead at tomorrow night's main event between Misha Tate and Caitlin Vieira. My official prediction is in a moment, but first, I want to focus on something I heard Misha say the other day. Misha Tate, doing an interview leading up to this weekend's festivity, was asked a question that she answered candidly. I am not giving Misha Tate a hard time here in the least, but it was, who are the opponents that you would like to face? And I don't think this will surprise you. On her list of three, Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. Three athletes that are deeply tied to Misha's career. But let's look into that. Would you want to see Ronda versus Misha? Like, let me give you a more specific scenario. Ronda and Misha are going to fight in one month. Are you excited? And you see where that gets tough? And we all do this as athletes. I'm guilty too. I have people from my past that were a big deal at one time. It passed us by. I think about those guys every night. I hope to bump in to those guys. But you wouldn't care. I think you remember, but you don't. Too many fights happen. Too much happened. I'm tight. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. It's not in yours. And it's a misfire. And guys, we've had this tested before. Chuck Liddell versus Tito part three comes to mind. And we didn't like how that turned out. Now, in all fairness, we all should have patted Tito on the back. In fairness, Tito had a guy who whipped his ass more than once publicly. And Tito signed on and said, I'll walk out there a third time just for the chance to correct this. And then he did. 
And Tito should have been celebrated for that, but he wasn't. He wasn't. We looked at it a different way. We didn't like the reality that we were shown right in front of us. We did not like the reality because we did not want to have to accept it for ourselves that Chuck Liddell, with no fault of his own, got older. The same thing that has happened or will happen to all of us. The one part of this story we didn't want to be true so that we could make believe it was not true for us. But we were faced with a reality that a seven years old removed Chuck Liddell at 48 wasn't the same as he was at 35. It was a reality that we knew and didn't want to accept. And so then that whole theory of taking these older fighters and bringing them back and putting them in there, that died that night. Golden Boy Promotions not only went down, no other promoter grabbed that theme and that idea and ran with it. Boxing then tried it in the form of Triller with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. The result there was beautiful. It was a huge number. It was a monumental night. It really wasn't. It was something special and it had nostalgia. <coughs> nostalgia. And these guys pushed and these guys worked and these guys held up. I only submit for you that's Mike Tyson and the rules are different. The rules have always been different for Mike Tyson. Boxing enthusiasts will tell you there's two boxers in the history of time that can draw on their own. It does not matter who their opponent is. And that is Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. Now, I think that list should be revised, and I believe that Floyd Mayweather belongs on it. But the way that story will be told by your great boxing minds, Freddie Roach's, uh, Teddy Atlas's, Max Kellerman's of the world is Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya. I think it should be amended. I think I've proven my point, though. And so just because something worked for Mike, there's a reason. Triller hasn't redone it again, and other boxing promoters haven't jumped in and grabbed it, even though it turned out to be a monumental night, which is you had something special there in the form of Mike Tyson, who is the sole part of this story. I have to remind people that was a draw, and Roy Jones did the same thing Mike did. But Roy did it by giving up size and walking out there a two-and-a-half-to-one underdog. Roy's the one that deserves the credit, not the way the story was told. Tito's the one that deserved the pat on the back, not the way the story was told. So what would you think about Ronda versus Misha? Misha thinks about that. Misha knows about the championship. I followed Misha's career very closely, so I remember the ultimate fighter. I remember the backstory. I remember the insults. I remember the press conference. I remember the stare downs, but do you? Because I do, and I don't need to see that fight at all. I believe that Misha is on a very different trajectory, and I believe Misha is in front of Ronda greatly. Well, how do you get to that conclusion, Chael? They fought. It wasn't all that close. How do you say, well, Misha's still doing it. Real simple. I've had guys like that from my past. I had that, uh, Jeremy Horn. Does that name ring a bell to you guys? Telling my own story here, but a, a guy from my past. I fought Jeremy Horn three times. Guess how many times I lost to Jeremy Horn? Three times. But then Jeremy left the sport and I went on my run. The rankings come out and he's nowhere on it and I'm ranked number two in the world in all fair. But Jeremy Horn wouldn't disagree with that. He would look at it and very polite to me. I was ahead of you at one point. I left. You're now here. Good job to you. Good job to my memories. Everybody's right. Everybody's right and everybody wins, but that's the way that it is. And Misha, as a licensed competitive fighter who's getting ready to headline on ESPN... How goddamn good you got to be to do that? Is of course in front of somebody, regardless of the result was years ago, and regardless of the fact that Misha carries that memory around with her, thinking that we all do. I'm just here to ask the question, do we? Because there's many parts to the Ronda story that are very positive. We didn't like how the Tito Chuck one turned out, and it wasn't because we were cheering against Tito. 
It really wasn't. It was because of what that represented that we all are going through or will go through, which is age. The clock got us. The clock got the great Chuck Liddell. If it could get him, it can get us. That was the takeaway, and that's why that was such a downer. Just in case you don't realize that, that's the internal piece of psychology, subconsciously, that made everybody down about that result. And why Tito couldn't get any credit and couldn't figure it out. It's the same thing poor Vitor had to go through. Vitor, who's never boxed, has a take on maybe the greatest boxer of all time. You want to talk about the greatest ever? I know you're going to throw out the names like Muhammad Ali, but you really want to really look at what somebody accomplished? Evander Holyfield's resume is as beautiful of a resume as has ever been created. Evander was a two and a half favorite. Vitor had to leave a weight class that he was preparing for. And then Vitor whips his ass. And people were down on Vitor. They weren't down on Vitor. And they really didn't think that Evander looked as bad as they tried to retell the story and say, well, he never should have been in there in the first place. What it was was a representation that if we accept what happened to him, Evander, who is a much superior athlete and superior specimen than we are, and if it happened to him, it will happen to us. And we wanted to be able to cling to a denial. And we lost our ability. Vitor took that ability away, the same as Tito took that ability away. And when you look at the Ronda story, you don't see a lot of fighters that land on their feet. She did. She's happy. Not only did she find another career, she's happy. I only have one resentment towards Ronda as a fan, just as a fan speaking, which is she was so good for the sport. Our sport was so good to her. And when she left, she never looked back. That may be exactly what she needed. I do not question her for that. I will just tell you as a fan. There were some major opportunities in media and things that Ronda could have done to give back to the sport when she left, including showing up. She could have come to fights, looked beautiful, sat in a front row, got a cameo, and people would have been very excited to see her. She could have done those things, and she didn't. It's my only resentment, and it's quite frankly not all that big. But if I was to be real critical of Ronda, that's the one that I would bring forward. But Ronda is a success story. All good athletes that are former good athletes have to look forward to in life is drug abuse and alcoholism. It's to fill the void, to fill what's... Rhonda landed on her feet beautifully, and she's so happy. Picture's worth a thousand words. I'm going off of Instagram. She looks so happy. So do we want to pull her back? And even Misha herself, when she made this comment, did touch on that. I am not calling her out. I'm answering the question I'm asked, and my dream fight would be Rhonda if she wants to do it. I'm just asking you guys the same question. That's all I'm asking. And you may love it. You may be clamoring at the bit. Tell me. I would like to know sincere question please leave me a response would you like to see misha and ronda fight a third time my official prediction for misha tate versus caitlin vieira the winner should be vieira it won't misha tate will win the fight now what do i base that on very little I have to base it on very little because I know a lot in recent history about Caitlin Vieira. I have followed her way up to main event status, which she absolutely deserves and quite frankly got here the hard way. Misha Tate has been removed for a period of time, save one match. That one match was the perfect booking. She needed to get in there. She needed that opponent. It was someone she had trouble with. Someone, if things went well and she wanted to dig deep, she could overcome. That's the route that she chose. And now she's in a main event. That's a big deal. It is a big damn deal that Misha Tate, removed from the sport for a period of time, with one exception, is walking into a five-round atmosphere. 
Big deal, guys. You got to think about it in this terms. Before you make your prediction, you have to ask yourself, how well can she do? And Misha did have a cardio issue in her last fight. Now, the issue was that her cardio was tested and passed. But it was tested. And passing the eight-minute mark, she was able to flip that second switch and start to take control of the match. Maybe more about the seven-minute mark. My point being this, is Misha ready for a main event? She shouldn't be. She should not logically be. She is. Misha's different. Misha's special. And some athletes, and you never know till it's done, you don't know their genetic makeup, and neither do they, until they get put in a situation. Nick Diaz, who's a cardio machine, name that you would recognize, and to bring it to your attention, Nick Diaz, who's a cardio machine, had a cardio issue in his fight with Lawler. That fight was harder than Nick thought the fight was going to be, and it was harder than Nick remembered the first fight being. It's a real thing, and it spooked him. It just spooked him. It made him a little made him a little uneasy. And after being out for five years, we all get that. There was nothing within that match or even the ending of that match that any of us challenged. We get it. Everyone needs one back. They have to. Whether you win it or you don't, it's going to be your worst performance, and you have to have it. you got to get it out of the way. Misha did. She succeeded. But the point is the same, which is you do not know which athlete you are. Are you the athlete who got old while gone? Are you the athlete who got fresh while gone? You, you don't know. You know which one you want to be, but you don't know. Neither does the public. And you got to come back and you got to show us. But it is a very real thing that somebody, particularly in the age range of Misha, removes, comes back stronger than before. We have seen that. We've seen that in other sport. That age range matters. And it's a slippery slope. She just made it on the right side of it. I mean, if you just want to go by the numbers, she just, I mean, she beat the deadline by about a year, year and a half. But she beat it all the same. And I have seen countless wrestlers. I come from a wrestling background, but countless wrestlers, Division One, best guys in the country, guys that go on to be world and Olympians and medalists, and their first tournament of the year will be their best. I will see them fade throughout the year. I will see other guys who the first tournament is their worst. They never look so bad. They need a whole season to get their cardio, get their lungs, get their confidence, get their minds right. Come on in March, peak and go steal NCAA championships. I see it every single year. I follow the sport for well over 30 years. I have seen it every single year with no exception. Both, both were guys that will cut. They trained all summer. They were, the champions are made in the off season. They believe in that. They're getting the work in. And that first, they're ahead of everybody. And their mind is fresh. They haven't had the competition. They go to bed every night as a winner. They feel great about them because they're getting wins in the practice room. That can be done on the track during sprints. That can be done on the aerodyne, making it farther, longer, at higher RPMs. That can be done in the weight room when you read those little numbers uh, uh, and they're higher and your reps are more and you go to bed, you start feeling confident, you start telling yourself this, you start believing it, you get to that first tournament, you're ahead of everybody. But then the season gets long and you die out and then you have the opposite athlete where a clear mind conquers all. We have seen this at the absolute highest of levels. Joe Cologne comes to mind, who was not on the world team. He didn't make it. He did not plan on the world championships. He was not training for the world championships. He was not studying the competition. He gets pulled off the benches and altered. He goes to the world championships and he brings home a medal. 
I saw this happen with Brandon Egum. This was back in 1999. Brandon Egum doesn't make the team. He loses, was not 99, it was 2001. He loses to Kale Sanderson. Kale decides he's not going to go. Egum gets put in. He's in the finals a week later. I see it all the time where a guy with a fresh mind, paralysis by analysis is so completely true in life. You cannot psych yourself up. You will psych yourself out. I have to deal with parents when I coach kids. Some dad will come over that hasn't wrestled before, and he'll tell his eight-year-old son, get psyched up. You're up next. Get psyched up. There's no such thing. You will psych yourself out. Don't think about this. The time to think about it is in practice. You want to be very careless. And I don't mean careless. I mean you want to care less on competition day. The guy who can put all of his worry into the preparation and then on competition day be more careless than his opponent, meaning to care less, has the advantage. Everybody does in every relationship. It does not matter if it's romance or business or competition. One of you will care more. And the one who cares more is at the disadvantage. And I will see these athletes, and Misha Tate, I submit for you, is the latter. She got fresh while she was out. She did some workouts and went in bed and said, I'm feeling better than ever. And over a period of time, manifested it, made it true, and now can turn it into a reality. Because she was tested in that first fight, make no mistake. Her timing was off, her speed was off, things were coming a lot faster than she remembered it, and she had to dig deep. And when she was forced with that, she had a choice, and she chose to be a winner. Caitlin Vieira is the real deal. If you guys aren't familiar with her, she can do it all. She can punch and kick. 25 minutes will be a new atmosphere for her as well, but I can tell you from firsthand experience of watching, she's never had problems with 15. No reason to believe she can't dig deep in the championship rounds. Does Misha Tate have the preparation with only one match in, I don't even know, five years? To even qualify for a championship match? The answer to that question is yes. We didn't know that. She had to prove it, but I submit for you, she did prove it. The winner of the era versus Misha Tate is Misha Tate. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts. Search for your welcome and leave me a review. I appreciate your guys' feedback. I will be back after a weekend of wonderful fights to talk to you all on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.